Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. The keto diet is one of the most popular diets out there and has been for several years now. Proponents love it. But every so often, concerns are raised, and that's what happened with the release of a new study. So this week, we're asking, what do we know about the health effects of the keto diet? Hi, Andy. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. How often are you asked about the keto diet in your work as a registered dietitian? Very regularly um, in, you know, in different capacities, but suffice to say, there's definitely interest out there in the keto diet, what it's about and what it has to offer. And it's that popularity that really makes us want to do this topic this week, and we're glad to have you. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it, just ad lib. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Andy DeSantis, and I'm a registered dietitian uh, from Toronto, Canada. And I have a you know, private practice here in Davisville and online. Uh, written several books, love writing, and uh, yeah, love all things nutrition. You're the person we wanted to uh, to reach out to. So here we go. For those who don't know, um, which food groups are excluded from the keto diet? Great question. So generally, you're looking at excluding legumes, uh, lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans, foods like that, starchy vegetables, potatoes, sweet potatoes, you know, most fruits in any meaningful quantities and then whole grains, the quinoa, the, the rice, the breads of the world. So that means no, that basically no bread, no cereals as well, no bagels, pizza. Certainly, like, I mean, there are going to be products, you know, keto friendly products that can fulfill those parameters. And you can certainly play with the quantities of some of these foods to make them fit. But you'll have you have to be quite, quite crafty to pull that off. Yeah. And when you when we're talking about um, when we're talking about, about a keto diet, we're talking about a low carb diet. So I, as I understand it, less than, you know, give or take less than 50 grams of, of carbs a day, which, which is something like a bagel. Depending on the bagel, that's not far away. And yes, it's around that 50 gram number. Uh, that's usually used as the upper threshold for the keto diet. Can you talk about the different kinds of keto diet? Cause there's Atkins, you know, there's paleo. What do we know about these various diets? Yeah, so it's it's a great question. I think that there's a few different ways to even look at the different types of, of the keto diet. You can have someone who is trying to pull off a ketogenic diet in, in a way where they're actually checking their, their blood ketones. You can have someone who is just going for a kind of a lower carb diet under the keto umbrella, whether or not they actually care if they're in ketosis or not. And then you have different iterations within the ketogenic diet itself. Um, if you are going to do it a few days on, a few days off, if you're going to play around with the the sources of the protein, more plant-based protein versus animal-based protein. Um, but it really does fundamentally all come down to, you know, that carbohydrate number. The fats and proteins can vary, 
But um, but yeah, that's there, there, you know there are a lot. We're gonna get to this. I'm, I'm sure in today's conversation, there are a lot of different ways that someone can pull off a keto diet depending on the nature of their choices. But the key thing is, if you're stringently reducing uh, carbs, you got to replace them with something, which is either going to be some co- it's going to be some combination of proteins and fats, and often it's a high fat diet. Uh, before before we we start talking about some of the nuts and bolts, I wanted to ask you. You know, you've already said that a lot of people ask you about the diet. What's your take on why this diet continues to be so popular? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a there's a few things to it. I think on some level, you know, there's a lot of people out there who quite enjoy the foods that the keto diet emphasizes. You know, of course, the keto diet gives you an opportunity to eat perhaps larger amounts of, of red meat or, or cheese or other similar products. I think on some level, you know, these are well-liked foods that have been uh, you know, demonized. I don't know if they're demonized per se, but there's some question about the role they can play in your health. And, and the keto diet kind of opens the doors to those a little bit on some level. I think that's part of it. I think also because the body shifts to the state of ketosis and involves something, um, you know, kind of novel and unique from that perspective. So I think that's appealing. And I think, of course, anecdotally, you know, there's gonna be people out there who are doing it and, and having some success with the endeavor. And I think, you know, friends, family members, online accounts, all of that combined really, really generates. And of course, I think as well, it does exclude quite a few food groups that for some people can be problematic or challenging to navigate, you know, maybe the more refined carbohydrates, the baked goods of the world. Uh, Not to say that one cannot eat these foods and live a a healthy, happy life. Of course they can, but the exclusion of those foods maybe for some people makes it easier to commit to dietary changes. So I think those are a few reasons why it's, um, you know, let's say exploded in popularity over the last decade or so. You've already mentioned that the the whole point of the diet is to put the body into ketosis. Um, when does that happen? Why does that happen? Yeah, so ketosis really is the state of your body switching from relying on carbohydrates for energy, right? Which the vast majority of people consume, you know, more than 50 grams of carbohydrate a day, you know, and their bodies will use carbohydrate first and foremost as an energy source. When you strictly and let's say harshly limit the amount of carbohydrate you you take and then you increase your fat intake instead, your body will then use that fat, which your liver converts into ketones, which are then used as your body's new energy source. And so that's really what it comes down to. For most adherents of the diet, do they actually enter a state of ketosis? That's a great question. I think that's not the easiest thing to measure. And in my anecdotal experience, just in people that I've, I've worked with, people that I've spoken to, like I said earlier, when we're talking types of the keto diet, I think for the average person, the real question is, are you doing a keto-ish diet to take advantage of the principles of the keto diet, or are you really in ketosis? And I think that's the big question. I don't know that we really have data to say how many people pursuing the keto diet are actually in ketosis versus otherwise. And I don't know that that matters as much as what they're actually eating under the keto umbrella. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, you know, there are other ways, uh, physiological ways that you can experience ketosis that don't involve the diet. Like, you know, I've, I've run a couple of marathons. I've run, I've run some half marathons. Uh, and, and I think that's one way of entering a state of ketosis, isn't it? Yeah. And I, and I think the most conventional way that people will enter is probably through intermittent fasting of various lengths. You do get, you do get into that realm depending on, you know, your, what you ate in in the period before the fast, how long the fast was. And, and funny enough, I mean, fasting is another obviously very, very popular trend as well. So let's start talking about the diet, um, and, and some of its benefits, uh, I think one of the reasons for its popularity is that, you know, there are people who've tried other diets and have not lost weight or have lost weight and gained it 
regained it quite quickly. Um, how good is a keto diet at uh, helping people lose weight? Yeah, I think at this stage, you know, whatever people might think about the keto diet on either side, I think we, we can't deny there is evidence that it is effective for that purpose. There's not necessarily evidence that it's more effective than other dietary strategies, but that doesn't mean for someone that we pluck off the street that if it resonates with them, if they, you know, get some, some great joy in pursuing it, that it can't work for them. It certainly can. Um, but there's, of course, there's questions that come along with that as well as to whether that's the best choice or not. And, and if they are losing weight, do we know why they're losing weight? Well, it's overwhelmingly likely that, you know, being in the state, uh, you know, pursuing a ketogenic diet, you know, perhaps being in the state of ketosis. You know, they have very likely changed their caloric intake. It's very possible that depending on how they carried out the ketogenic diet, it may be an enhancement from their previous diet because a keto diet, you know, could be like a well carried out ketogenic diet could on paper be stronger nutritionally than let's say a, you know, more mediocre or average diet that includes everything. That's fully possible, right? The, the more interesting question, which again, we're going to get to is, a really well carried out keto diet versus a really well carried out, um, you know, inclusive diet. When somebody is on the diet, are they actually losing fat or are they losing muscle? What's going on? Yeah. So I, that depends, I think, much more to do with how it's applied, the rate of change, if they're, if they're physically active. So if someone, you know, loses a very large amount of weight in a short period, they're going to be a bigger candidate for losing losing some muscle as to someone who loses weight more gradually. And I think that's true independent of the diet type. I don't think that there's any evidence to suggest that a ketogenic diet carried out diligently puts you in a, a worse position um, about regarding losing fat or muscle. I think, you know, you have the same potential to lose body fat on a keto diet based on the evidence I've seen as you do on, let's say, a Mediterranean or other dietary pattern. I think it depends on, you know, the caloric intake, uh, the physical activity level, and then the overall pattern of the diet itself. Do you ever recommend the keto diet for an average healthy adult? Personally, I do not advocate for the keto diet broadly. However, I also respect the fact that on the individual level, there's curiosity around it. And there are ways to carry out a keto diet that can be, you know, quite strong and quite nutrient dense, but you won't find me advocating for it for the simple reason that my personal belief in, you know, which, which is stemmed from, you know, my, you know, seeing, working with so many people, looking at all the research is that nobody got healthier by cutting out lentils and sweet potatoes. This is the line I like to use. Okay. And so that kind of represents my view on the keto diet, but that does not take anything away from the fact that some people will pursue the style of eating and have success. And, and I, I fully respect that. And my hope is that they can pull it off in the best way possible. So if part of that approach is to honor, you know, the, the, the client who comes to you and says, I want to try it, can you help me? Um, what are the, what are the rudiments of a keto diet that you think are important, not just for losing weight, but for maintaining health? Yes, of course. And of course, it's, it's about allowing the client to make informed decisions. So, you know, absolutely, absolutely right in, in that regard. So I would say, you know, when we think about the, the keto diet, you know, where can we get as much diversity as possible? Because on some level, you know, and I brought this up earlier in the conversation, okay, there may be a draw towards items like red meat and cheese. And I'm not, you know, speaking poorly about those food, foods at all, let, let's say right now, let's just say there's a draw towards that. But where are we getting our, our fats from? Okay, we, we have plant-based fat sources like avocado, nuts and seeds, which can play a role. 
where are we getting our protein from? Is it, is it, is it from red meat exclusively? Are we incorporating fish and seafood and plant-based protein sources, perhaps like tofu and tempeh? So it, it, for me, it's really about variety. Are we including ample vegetables? Because vegetables, for the, for, in large part, of course, excluding large amounts of starchy vegetables, vegetables generally are fit into a ketogenic diet. But to what extent are they incorporated? Is it minimal? Is it, is, it, is it maximal? All of those factors have a role to play. And those are some of the really, really important foods in a keto diet to pull it off well. So you're, I, I'm assuming you're not advocating, uh, as, as happens in some of these diets, that people consume a stick of butter. I certainly would not advocate consuming a stick of butter as you know, a, a regular health practice. I mean, look, you know, someone can have, and I use this example very often, someone could sit down to a meal of salmon avocado and kale cooked in butter sure or, or cooked in whatever it is you know by all accounts that is a that's a that's a good level meal that's a high quality meal that fits under the ketogenic umbrella right so you know and 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 conversely we can have a, a sausage dipped in uh i don't know the most uh robust cheese option and, and dip some sausage in there that can be under the ketogenic umbrella as well so there's massive variety in how you can carry this out Queer life in Montreal was wild. Montreal in the 90s was a great time, but it had a dark side. It was not a safe city for gay people back then. But what else was behind a series of deaths in the city? Somebody's killing gay men. We want to know why. I'm Francis Plourde, and this is The Village, The Montreal Murders. Get early access to episodes at cbc.ca slash listen or by subscribing to the CBC True Crime Premium channel on Apple Podcasts. Would you say that uh, maintaining a keto diet uh, requires more planning than some of the other diets that, that are out there? You know, I... Yeah, I mean, yes and no, because, you know, to play devil's advocate, you know, you, you, you could say the same thing about a vegan dietary pattern, that you cannot just jump into that and expect, you know, good health outcomes without diligent planning. So, you know, as a dietitian, as someone who, you know, helps people strategize around nutrition on a daily basis, I, I, I won't knock the keto diet there. I think the keto diet requires proper planning to pull off well. So does every other style of eating too. I want to dig into a bit of the research in general, what does the research show about uh, about a keto diet and how it affects the body? We've already talked about weight loss. Um, what about things like blood pressure, mm -hmm. uh, diabetes, blood sugar, uh, cholesterol, triglycerides, things like that? Okay, so there's a few layers here. Okay, so first of all, when we compare the uh, the keto diet to, let's say, you know, there's a recent study um, in the I think the, it was the American out of Stanford. Okay. And it compared the keto diet to, to a Mediterranean diet and looked at the outcomes. And what they found is the keto diet was more likely to raise cholesterol, but it gave you a little bit more reduction in triglycerides, for example. Um, as it relates to blood sugar, a well-carried-out keto diet has a very similar potential to a well-carried-out, let's say, Mediterranean diet to lower blood sugar levels, right? So it really it comes down a lot to the execution, okay, which I guess shouldn't, shouldn't surprise anyone based on some of the examples already provided. So the issue is though, and in this particular study, which probably won't be a surprise, is that when they looked at people who followed both, they found that, you know, when they followed up with them several months later, even the people who followed the keto diet closely in the study period were, were had diverged from it, right? So the adherence question is the big difference. And, and again, that's something that we'll discuss. 
But, you know, a well carried out ketogenic diet has the potential to, to offer, you know, decent health outcomes or good health outcomes in the medium term. But we don't really know, you know, what the long term consequences are of following a good keto diet for two, three, four, five years. We just simply don't have that kind of data. We don't have the long term data. Um, there was a recent observational study that triggered our interest in, in, in talking about the keto diet this week. Um, you know, this is an observational study out of BC that found that the keto diet may be linked to higher rates of heart disease and cardiac events. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that seems to be contradictory to what, to what you've just been talking about. Uh, because if you have, you know, for instance, if the diet can, can reduce triglycerides and can, uh, have a positive impact on type two diabetes, reduce insulin resistance, then, Mm -hmm. then it should be reducing the risk of, of, of cardiac events. Great point. So the key word and the key aspect of that particular study, what it, it was, it was a what they called a well-formulated keto diet, which means doing the keto diet in the best way possible. Okay. So there is massive variability. Again, this is this is probably the most important point of today's discussion. There is massive variability in how one can carry out a ketogenic diet, just as easily, you know, in, you know, in regards to that particular study and the higher heart disease risk. Again, the ketogenic diet can be a, a source of a large amount of saturated fat. If one is dipping heavily into high fat dairy products, heavily into red and processed meat, a large amount of saturated fat in the absence of other important components can certainly increase heart disease risk, you know, via in part increasing uh, LDL or what they sometimes call bad cholesterol. So those study findings don't surprise me because I'm quite confident that on the whole, just like any other diet, the majority of people are not carrying out the keto diet in the most optimal way. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. I want to talk for a moment about some of the initial symptoms. Uh, like, how, like I, I want to know how you feel when you when you start a keto diet because I've heard that people become uh, a bit uh, fatigued. They get headaches. Uh, they suffer something called brain fog. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So what you're referring to, I think, you know, colloquially is referred to as the keto flu. Okay, so it's something that can occur in the first few days, maybe the first week as someone's adapting as their body's energy systems are changing from, you know, carbohydrate fuel to, let's say, fat fueled, you know, a little bit of oversimplification, but more or less that's what's happening. Um, so those symptoms are, are normal and they generally do resolve. Now, if, if, those, if those symptoms persist in anyone pursuing it, uh, that's something to, you know, to take note of and maybe to either reevaluate how it's being done or whether it should be done at all, quite frankly. Is there any way of knowing if if a keto diet is doing more harm than good? Are there symptoms that a patient can experience? Do they need to be monitored by their doctor for blood testing? Yeah, so I think I think there's both short and then medium term ways to 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 view that. I think in the short term, you know, the keto diet has the potential because it does reduce a lot of foods that contain fiber. Again, it, it reduces or I mean reduces eliminates whole grains uh, for the in large part fruits legumes. There is potential. It's this is not a, a guarantee. Depending on how it's carried out, there's massive potential for a big fiber reduction. A big fiber reduction can, you know, lead to interference with bowel movements and 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 bathroom habits. Constipation might be a, a sign that something's not quite right. That's something in the short term. You know, a lack of a, a persistent lack of energy again could be another another factor in the medium in the more medium term. You know, what are your what's the blood work showing? Is cholesterol shooting up? How how is blood sugar looking? I mean. You know, if well carried out, blood sugar has you know great potential to to go down. You know, with the ketogenic diet, but it does have the potential to go down with with any well planned diet as well, though, right? So I would say short term constipation could be a big one, and then medium term LDL cholesterol uh, cholesterol levels. You know, those are two little snapshot things to keep in mind. Got it. Okay, 
So um, I know you don't advocate for the diet, but there will be listeners who want to give it a try. So if somebody is interested in pursuing the keto diet, how can they go about it as safely as possible? I would say that, you know, you, you, you know, prepare, prepare accordingly, be diligent, whether that means, you know, it, it's so hard to say to do ample research, because of course, you, you know, you know, to go online and it's, you know, there's a lot of keto content out there and all of it's good. I would say, think about your fat sources. Again, I'm going to bring this point up. Okay. Are you getting things like nuts and seeds and avocado foods that have unique components that are not found elsewhere? Okay. Are you getting diversity in your protein intake? Are you relying only on red meat or are you able to incorporate plant-based protein sources? Are you able to incorporate fish and seafood? Now, of course, fish, which some people know, some people don't, is pretty much the, the only rich source of, of certain types of omega-3s, the only very rich source of, of vitamin D3 for the most part. So there are unique qualities of, of foods that can be eaten on the keto diet, but could be avoided. So you really want to make sure that you're getting as much variety as possible. The keto diet inherently um, is restrictive, but within that restriction, are you pursuing the utmost variety? And if you need professional help to do that, um, you know, perhaps pursue that as well. Which would mean talking to a registered dietitian. I would hope so. I would hope <laughs> so too. Instead of keto, um, mm-hmm. what are the other alternatives? What do you usually recommend for people wanting to lose weight or improve their overall nutrition? You know, uh, for me, trending towards a more Mediterranean style of eating, you know, seeing the totality of the evidence, understanding that for most health conditions, foods like legumes, fruits, whether it's high blood sugar, high cholesterol, they really help. Okay. They tend to be high in the nutrients that people fall short in. So a more Mediterranean diet, which emphasizes, okay, seafood emphasizes legumes emphasizes fruits and vegetables that is the dietary style um you know obviously with customization for the individual that i have the most faith in based on everything that i've seen it's also you know it's more likely to be sustainable because it does not exclude anything right it may have parameters that need to be followed but there's no exclusion the keto diet inherently excludes the vast you know you know, in all seriousness, it excludes the vast majority of foods that exist. And there's certainly pros and cons to that and probably more cons for, you know, for most people. And finally, uh, for people who do want to give the keto diet a try, are there some specific take-home no-nos or pitfalls that you want to make sure stick in their minds that they avoid so that they can stay as healthy as possible? Yeah, I think I would reiterate my uh, my earlier messaging is don't don't pigeonhole yourself in terms of your your dietary choices. You know what I mean? I think on some level, if someone's following a keto diet, it's it's inevitable they will eat. Um, you know, almost inevitable anyway. They will eat more foods that have saturated fat because you have to eat something on a keto diet. But do not lose sight of vegetables. Should and must be emphasized. They they have to be you know for good health in every context. But let's say especially on a keto diet. And the best thing I the best thing I could say is think of things on a spectrum between plant and animal sources and try and find yourself in the middle. Do not over rely if you're an omnivore following the keto diet. Don't over rely on animal sources of food. You know obviously nothing wrong with those foods. They have a role to play. Obviously they will play a role for most people on the keto diet. But do not neglect foods of uh, of plant origin. Fancy way to say nuts, seeds, vegetables, avocado, not to keep repeating them, but those are the, the key foods one can eat, of course. And so try and find a middle ground. And if you do that, there's a good chance that you can carry out, you know, you know, a, a balanced and strong dietary pattern. And, and again, there's, there's nuance there. There's personalization there. There's a question of how long that will last, which are, we can't answer today, of course, because it's all individual dependent. But that's that's the advice I would give. 
Well, Andy DeSantis, you're a fund of knowledge, and uh, I'm glad we spoke to you. Thank you for having me on. I greatly, uh, greatly appreciate it. It was a great chat. Andy DeSantis is a registered dietitian in Toronto. Here's your dose of smart advice. The keto diet is a popular weight loss diet. There are several different kinds of keto diets. Most aim to reduce total carbs to less than 50 grams a day, which is roughly less than a plain bagel along with around 165 grams of fat and 75 grams of protein per day. That means breads, cereals, pasta, rice, potatoes, corn, and other starchy foods are out, and high-saturated fat foods like fatty cuts of meat, processed meats, butter, nuts, seeds, avocados, plant oils, and oily fish are in. The diet works by inducing ketosis, the state in which the body breaks down protein and fats to replace the glucose you need for bodily functions. Keto diets have been shown to promote short-term weight loss and to decrease insulin resistance and blood pressure. They may also help reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes. The observational study we talked about shows an increased risk of heart problems, which is likely due to an increase in dietary fat in some keto diets. The long-term health impact is largely unknown. Keto diets can be hard to maintain. Restricting carbs can cause the keto flu. Symptoms which include hunger, fatigue, headaches, and brain fog can last for up to several weeks. In general, should you give it a try, you should go back to a more balanced diet once you reach your desired weight. The most important thing to do is to monitor your intake of highly saturated fats and to aim for balanced nutrition. Instead of consuming sticks of butter and lots of processed meats and cheeses, try healthy fats like avocado, nuts, and oily fish. If you have topics you'd like to discuss or questions you'd like answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give it a rating and review wherever you listen. The Dose was produced this week by Stephanie Dubois. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.